I didn't understand like how, how the actual business model works, right? So like in, in food, when you're selling to a grocery store, it's like we actually have to, as a manufacturer, right? Or, or a brand, we work with a manufacturing partner who produces the product for us, sends it to us. Then we have to sell it and send to a distributor and then they sell it and send it to a retailer who then sells it to a, a consumer. So there's a lot of parties in the mix. There's a lot, there's a really thin margins. It's understanding like, where do you even store all of the physical good? Okay, if, if we're gonna produce, you know, 10,000 units, where are we gonna get 500 pounds of oats and where are we gonna store that? Um, so yeah, so early on I was just sort of gunslinging and I, I still think I am in a lot of ways of problem solving on the fly. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation, including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable and inspiring stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now allow us to bring on bigger guests and ask the questions to them that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. So thank you again for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode. Hey, Parker, how you doing, man? So, you know, what's happening? Good to connect with you from across the world here. Yeah, an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I like doing these sort of things where it's, yeah, it's virtual, but it's because you're like across the world. Usually we do things sort of in person, but have to sort of make exceptions because you want to get the best guests from from across the world. So welcome to the podcast. And uh, I'd love to talk about Forage. So before we kick off, I guess, like, where did it all start for you? Yeah, so and, you know, nobody knows what Forage is. Forage is a it's a functional food brand. I started back in 2020. But really, it really, you know, kicked off before then. Um, So, you know, a little bit of background on me went to school originally pre-med in neuroscience, thought I was going to save the world with through brains um quickly realized that was going to be you know 15 years of school and my adhd self decided i wasn't going to wait that long um so i you know went into management consulting and basically kind of hated my life i feel like you know if there's other millennials listening to this i, I feel like that's a can be a common theme um and for one reason or another, I decided I would go vegan for 30 days. Uh, so I went vegan for 30 days and I just did it just to do it because I heard other people were doing it. And it was it was cool. Like I realized that I felt different. I felt good, right? No surprise, kind of what you're eating changes how you feel. And um, the kind of you know strange personality that I have, I decided I would do it again. And then again and again and again. And I spent 18 months trying different nutritional regimens. Um, so like one month at a time, I you know would go gluten-free or eat the keto diet or the Whole30 diet um, or whatnot. Um, and it was, it was pretty eye-opening. Um, and one of those months, I supplemented with some of these mushrooms I had been reading about. Um, have you guys in the UK, have you guys like are functional mushrooms popular at all, like medicinal mushrooms? Yeah, they're definitely growing in popularity for sure, I would say. Like a lot of people are experimenting with them and you know trying them out for sure like lion's mane and stuff like that yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah so i had heard about them and in one month i just decided like okay i'm gonna go all in on these mushroom supplements uh see what happens i'm gonna go off of all other supplementation like got off of caffeine and stuff and um, that month was awesome like felt super good and um from my neuroscience background i knew a lot about what psychedelics did did to the neuro to the neural cell in the body and, and the brain and so i got really curious about about what was going on with some of these medicinal mushrooms and what sort of impacts they were really having on the body. Um, so, you know, basically, you know, got curious and, you know, start 
diving into research. I joined our local mushroom foraging club, which it's, it's the largest mycological society in the U.S. and got into mushroom foraging and became pretty compelled uh, by a lot of the research that some of these mushrooms can really like address mass health concerns. Um, so that, that was a little bit of the background of kind of like my leap into nutrition. You know, I knew nothing about food, but, you know, found myself at a place where I was felt really passionate and, and, and compelled by food, um, you know, and, and, and really wanted to kind of see where, where that would go. Yeah. But why? So this is the question. So you tried out with these different diets like veganism and I think like keto you mentioned, but like, so why did you sort of like double down on the mushroom side of things? Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was something about, about that month, about how I felt that that was super special, but there was also, there was also something that I sensed in myself sort of an excitement. Um, so you know, rewind like a, a year before this, actually, I tried starting like a clothing company. I thought it would be really dope to have reversible pants, like pants that you, you could you, you could reverse and it'd be like a different pattern, right? I don't know. Like, I, I thought it'd be really cool. And I, I got a prototype made and then I realized like I never actually wanted to work on the project besides like like the cool parts. But there was something about mushrooms that I was like ecstatic about. And I started making my own mushroom concepts and I enjoyed doing the hard work. And for me, it was the cross between like really having this fundamental belief and seeing the benefits of taking the mushrooms myself. And then also having this sort of like spark of passion where I was like, I want to go do the hard work to see what, to see what is down this path. Um, so that was the beginning for me. And, and I started making, you know, putting mushrooms in like my oatmeal and bringing it into my office. And next thing I know, I'm like, you know, printing out little surveys and walking to people's desks and being like, Hey, will you try this? Like, will you fill out the survey? Um, and, and that was really kind of the origin story. There was no like formalized, uh, you know, Oh, I'm going to go start this business. Um, and it was really around, around passion. I'm not sure. Do you, do you hear that a lot? Or do you hear a lot more people come in with structure and an organization? Well, I mean, you get like both, I guess, like some people see it from an opportunity standpoint where they're like, yeah, this is a problem that I face all the time. And there isn't really an existing solution that fits it. And that's kind of like how I stumbled across my business and like started it. But in other areas, it's like, yeah, there's a, I have this passion and no one, no one can do this business better than I can. So let me just do it. So there's like different ways. And I think like, if you've got a combination of both, that's even better, right? Because then you've, you've got the, the, the problem that you face yourself and then you've got like the passion uh, to actually drive it forward. But with you, like you, what's interesting is that you tried all these different diets, double down on the mushroom side of things. And I guess like, what was the next stage after that? So you started like taking mushrooms yourself, giving it like surveys to people around you. But I guess like, what was the next step after that? Yeah, so I was just curious. Like, I just wanted to see like, okay, do other people like this? Like, are other people feeling impacted? And, and early on, I realized like people were weirded out by mushrooms. And, you know, I wasn't really selling it until I went to a startup conference and the, the the sort of the keynote speaker and I had a conversation and, and he was like, I think mushrooms are the future. Like, like what you're working on is super special. And I remember he gave me his business card and everybody else was sort of like suckling at his teeth for his business card. And, um, and he gave it to me and he's like, send me your pitch deck. And that's where I went home, went on, went on to Fiverr, got a logo made and put through together a pitch deck. I worked in consulting and like spent a lot of time in PowerPoint and, and built a deck and sent it to him. And then I figured, okay, I should go and try and sell this. Like, will people buy this? Right. I, I think this is a relevant kind of, kind of issue here. Like I can clearly see the benefits I've experienced myself. I, I'm fully believed in this. I have the inspiration, but now it's like, can you go sell it? Right. And that, that was sort of a turning point for me. Um, I didn't even think about, Oh, how should I go to market? I, I literally went to like the nearest cafe and was like, Hey, will you put this on your menu? Um, 
and <laughs> and started talking with them. And yeah, a couple like cafes brought us in and, you know, we're talking with this investor. And then the next thing I know, I'm like kind of in it and I'm like, okay, I got to think about like, how would I produce this or where would I store it or how am I going to sell it or what am I going to price it at? And that started sort of this like journey, right? But with, with mushrooms, like I've, I've read so much like positive, uh, you know, surveys and such positive like yeah research about them in terms of mood health just overall health but they're not really like i don't know at least in the uk they're not explored that much they are growing in popularity a lot but i guess like for you coming into it like firstly like why well firstly why like what are the benefits of people who don't know and secondly like why have they not really been explored at like a mass market scale two great questions um so i'll i'll address maybe maybe the first question first like why haven't they been explored so so they're quite literally known to be like the most ancient medicine that humans have used so like on from one angle that they've arguably been explored more than any other sort of natural remedy there is right maybe not on paper or, or through research the second angle of that is is there's actually a lot of research that has been done but primarily in the eastern hemisphere and it hasn't really been socialized well in the western hemisphere um so that there there's actually plenty of really great research on some of these mushrooms um now your your second question that you ask is about like okay what are the benefits for people that that don't know asking what the benefits of these mushrooms are is like asking what the benefits of vegetables are right it's like well it's an entire kingdom like there there's quite literally probably hundreds of quote-unquote medicinal or functional mushrooms that have different you know sorts of benefits um right now to date the the current estimate as well is that is that we as a as a global humanity or society have only discovered roughly nine percent nine percent of all available sort of like fungi uh, species. So we're looking right now at, you know, mushrooms, uh, penicillin comes from from fungi, right? One of the most earth shattering remedies to, to ever come from, from a natural source. So we're looking at, okay, like the benefits of mushrooms could really be pretty massive and we may not even know it yet. Um, other sort of common benefits, right? Cause I, I think that's maybe what more so you're asking is, you know, for example, there is like this lion's mane mushroom. I, I know you had mentioned you've heard of that one. That one has a lot of popularity. So lion's mane is, is known to be the best synthesizer of uh, a brain chemical called neurogrowth factor, NGF for short. So neurogrowth factor is effectively what your neural cells are using to feed on and actually grow. Um, so what does that mean? You know, the best synthesizer. So like when you're consuming lion's mane, like your body is very effectively and efficiently synthesizing neurogrowth factor. There's a lot more neurogrowth factor available in your brain for your, for your neural cells to feed on and then actually grow. And like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of studies that show basically consuming lion's mane, right? You're seeing increased creativity, increased productivity, and then they're trying to measure for different brain functions. Um, something that isn't perfectly done today. So that's like one example, um, there's a couple mushrooms that are used as cancer treatments uh, around the world because they have properties that where like they're, they, the compounds are going around finding cancerous uh, mutated cells and killing them. Um, so, so there's really lots of different benefits. It really depends on like what mushroom are you taking and is it being sourced appropriately. The more the more I read into it though, Parker, like, the more I get surprised and astounded by like how, firstly, like intelligence from these mushrooms are. Like I've seen them like solve some some puzzles, right? Like they, they, it's, it's kind of strange. I've seen them do that. And then also the, the health benefits are, are insane. You mentioned, you mentioned a few there, but there's like, as you said, they're, they're not, they haven't all been discovered. And also even those 9%, like not all the health benefits have been sort of researched in. So like, yeah, it's, it's a world where I've only just started like researching into, but it's, it's insanely fascinating. 
But I guess like from you starting a business within it, I guess like the first thing was that you saw that the, you saw these health benefits, you saw that there was maybe an education gap when it comes to mushrooms, but like the service that you put out there, people were sort of enjoying it. Um, I guess like, yeah, what, what was the sort of like turning point for you to be like, there is a business opportunity here? Yeah. And, and, and you sort of hit the nail on the head in a lot of ways, right? Like the, the big issue is, is the awareness and education gap. So like early on when we first went to market, you know, we like had like, it was like mushroom granola, right? Cause one of our flagship products is like a loose bag of granola, but that sounds disgusting. Everybody's imagining like chunks of mushroom as granola. The reality is, is that it's a mushroom powder. You can't even taste it. Right. And so, you know, for me, I, I used to spend like a lot of time in the field, just like sampling product. I, I you know, I used to go to the gym every day and, and I, and I, and I forced myself to do three blind taste tests of like our product versus other granolas on the market. Um, and so I knew intuitively like, okay, we have a really good product that, that, that tastes really good, right? We are beating leading brands in, in taste tests um, across the board. Um, the benefit profile that's there, like no other products kind of in this space, in, in this category have those benefits that we can talk about, right? When we're looking at, at category sales data, like people are buying for the benefits that these mushrooms solve, right? So cognitive health is, is something we, we specifically focus on. And then we use a mushroom that that is the most bioavailable vitamin D. So we're seeing like, you know, over the past three, four years have seen really huge um, growth in, in sales um, of sort of those specific categories. So it's like, okay, we have sort of the market is there. People, people are buying for these benefits. We have sort of the, the flavor and taste component, um, on blind taste tests. Yes. And now like the problem, and, and I think where we're always trying to kind of solve and iterate and test is like, what is that messaging that, that really resonates with the consumer and, and how are we quickly testing and iterating and pivoting on that? And like, what is the branding as well? So that those are what we're trying to solve. I think, you know, if we, if I can sit down and explain the value proposition, it's usually, a pretty good sale and makes a lot of sense, but that's the problem, right? And and I think that's also the fun and the joy of, of building a business is like, how do you solve those problems, right? Because the word the word mushroom is like, I I personally hate mushrooms, right? It's but triggering. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the unfashionable thing you kind of have to get over. I do think now, you know, with different pop culture references, like it's starting to become a little bit less taboo. Um, so like. Uh, I don't know if, if Michael Pollan's book um, made it around um, in the UK or not. It, it was a New York Times bestseller. It was all about mushrooms. Uh, there was a bit of psychedelic focus with that book. But, um, you know, the Fantastic Fungi documentary on Netflix was super popular uh, here in the States as well. And so, you know, we're starting to see consumers understand mushrooms and, and sort of change their perception on, on what it means. But yes, it, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of education. It's going to take you know, stuff like this to inform people as well. When when you first started the like formal, I guess, road to actually starting the business, you were basically yeah. like handing out samples at, at gyms to like test on those different KPIs that you guys define. So taste, nutritional value, which you're yep. already like eating. So it was like mainly the taste thing, right? Yeah, primarily, primarily taste, right? For us, it was taste. We, we found we early discovered as well that like, if we're going to put mushrooms into a food category, we have to you know, also determine what do people care about in that food category, right? Obviously, like the benefits are a huge positive, but we found like we were when we were focused on granola, like people really care about sugar count. So it was like, okay, we got we have to make something that tastes good and is low in sugar. Okay, let's go solve that problem, right? So, so that was sort of early on, um, and yeah, I like you know prided myself on really trying to get you know firsthand customer feedback and trying to do that every single day and talking to people and really understanding is this a good product or not. Thing is, you don't come from a food background yourself. So starting a food 
like base business like was that like what was the sort of challenging thing there kind of a nightmare um it's kind of a nightmare um yeah you know i didn't understand uh like how how the actual business model works right so like in in food when you're selling to a grocery store it's like we actually have to, as a manufacturer right or, or a brand we work with a manufacturing partner who produces the product for us, sends it to us. Then we have to sell it and send to a distributor and then they sell it and send it to a retailer who then sells it to a, a consumer. So there's a lot of parties in the mix. There's a lot, there's a really thin margins. It's um, understanding like, where do you even store all of the physical good, right? Okay, if, if we're gonna produce, you know, 10,000 units, um, where are we gonna get 500 pounds of oats and where are we gonna store that? Um, so yeah, so early on, I was just sort of, gunslinging and I still think I am in a lot of ways of problem solving on the fly. Um, but yeah, one of the the things early on is, you know, we were, we had to find a place to bake and we were baking locally at this cafe down, down the street, but the, the cafe, they said I, I could rent the, the space for $250 a month, which I was like, Oh, that's a steal. I'll take it. But we could only use it after 5 PM. So we had an issue because it was like, where do you store product? Um, and so, the the solve and I and I don't know why I this is where my mind immediately went to, but because we didn't really have any money, is I moved into my backyard and my roommate said it was cool, and so I moved into our backyard and I threw out my bed and then I bought in I brought storage racks into my into my bedroom and we stored like the inventory and the raw ingredients in my bedroom and I slept outside and then we would like each night we would like walk it down down the street to the cafe and like bake granola and then bring the finished good back and like package and seal it and then like go and sell it wow so you're literally sleeping outside just to make room for all the raw ingredients as well as the product after you baked it yeah yeah i, I slept outside in a tent for for two years that's insane <laughs> yeah it, that's it wasn't exactly like great for my dating life but it was, it was, you know, I, I look back on it fondly. I'll be honest. That's insane. So like, what was the, when you were in that stage of, of growth, like you kind of want to make everything work, right? Like you're just like sacrificing everything to like try to get this thing off the ground. What was the sort of like North star for you at that, in that point in time? Like what were you sort of like growing for? Like what was the, in your mind, like what was, what were you trying to achieve? Yeah. Like some of the like early KPIs or metrics or yeah. So for us, like the early KPIs and metrics were like, can we actually make a like make a a quality good like consistently? That was sort of like number one, right? Like we felt like when we made a good product, it was good and people liked it. So it was like, can we make it consistently? Like, do we are we selling to people who are repurchasing and buying? Um, are there other parties that are interested in the space, right? Are there distributors or retailers, right? Are, are we seeing interest from other parties who have more access to data than us? So th those were some of kind of the earlier KPIs. Um, you know, part of the issue there was like, well, we didn't raise money for a while and I wasn't getting paid. I was just putting everything back into the business. And so, you know, on top of that, or I'll just sort of add this is like, I actually like held on to my job for, for a complete year. And like, I forget what it's called. It was like greenlit or gaslit or there's a term for that. Uh, I think uh, when you're working to two jobs, but I, I basically had to like kind of, yeah, 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 I guess side hustle. Yeah. But, you know, started to sort of shift all my time into building the business and then, you know, was working as few hours as possible at work and it was totally remote by that time to just put all of the dollars in. And which in my mind, right, to your point, it's like, what are those milestones or those KPIs? It just bought me more time to help solve some of those problems and address, you know, get to those KPIs. So like after you kind of like made all those different types of granola and like baked them and all that type of thing, um, 
what was the next stage after that? Yeah. So after that, you know, we were, were making granola and kind of selling it locally. And a lot of that was like done through grassroots and it started to hit me like our branding sucked. Like, like the messaging was horrible and like we needed, we needed to address some of these concerns, especially if we wanted to go to sell people where I wasn't there to like go and sell the product. Right. Um, so we, you know, we sort of, my, my brother started to get involved and he also addressed sort of the a secondary challenge of like, okay, where do I go find like a 50 pound bag of oats? Like, how do I think about pricing and costs and whatnot? And my brother works in, in agricultural, um, in the supply chain. And so he came on and was helping me kind of order ingredients and putting me in touch with different distributors and thinking about, you know, when we need to order what and how much a unit's going to cost. Um, and he put me in touch with his boss at his, at his job who took an interest and, uh, he was like, Hey, like, I think you're going to need money. And I was like, I was like, we'll never need money. I was like, I don't know why you'd ever think that. And of course, like was incredibly naive. Um, and he was like, okay. And it hit the point where I was like, okay, I don't know how to fucking do branding. I don't know how to do any of that work. Like, let's go find, you know, some interns. Right. (laughs) Right. And so, and so we took on a bit of money and like, that was the point where I was like, okay, we like put a brand together. We like put more of a real website together. We like started to, to think about, okay, how are we going to acquire customers? Right. So we started thinking about actual like scalable ways to acquire customers, not just like me walking down to the local cafe and like sampling product and being like, you should buy it right there. Um, and you know, that sort of next stage, I, how I think about, or, or like what comes to mind is like, we were trying all sorts of stuff and spending money on different ads and, and had, we like raised a little bit of money from this guy and, you know, started to spend money and I'm like looking at it and like sales aren't really moving. I'm kind of like, I don't know, I don't know what's happening. And I just got so like frustrated one day and there was a guy that was running our ads for us. And I went out to my tent and I was like, okay, I'm just going to make like, I'm going to make some ads and like go on a face. I'm going to teach myself Facebook ads. I'm going to go into Facebook ads and I'm going to go like make an ad that does super well. And I just remember I spent an entire day, like morning to evening, and I recorded myself like at my tent. And, and we, we, you know, there was one ad that I, that I put up on Facebook ads and, and that ad like crushed it for several months before the iOS update. And that was sort of like the next phase for us. It was like we went from kind of like selling to like friends and family or people I knew to being like, okay, this ad is like fucking awesome. Um, and the, the ad, it was me and I'm sitting in front of my tent. And, and I kind of open the, or no, I'm, I'm in the tent. I open the tent and I say like, Hey, like I've been living in a tent for a year to make the best like granola in the world. And then it like flashes to me in the tent. And, and then I like talking through the benefits and then it like flashes to like some of the production. And I think that ad was like 15 ROAS or something. And it was like, we were starting to scale it. Um, but, but that's how I think about sort of like that next phase of growth. It was like, my brother was helping on ops and like, I was trying to start to figure out like the marketing and acquiring customers and branding whatnot how, how many how many like i guess bags or like dollars worth did that sell that one yeah out? um we were we were upwards of like like a couple hundred thousand at that from just that one ad of you like on yeah. the tent, in the tent yeah. that's insane wow i sometimes i'll just watch the ad because it's just like so funny to me and it's like i'm like i look like the comments on that ads were hilarious. They were like just ripping me apart about being like a hippie and all this stuff and it was good it's crazy how like you just try different things and for some reason one thing takes off and for some reason like other things don't take off and it's just like sometimes you can't put your finger on it it's just whatever the data it's whatever the algorithm chooses or whatever sort of like 
in that moment in time, whatever sort of gets picked up. Um, totally. But the only way of kind of like addressing that is to experiment with multiple different things, different channels, different customer group, different de demographics. It's just like constant experimentation, iteration, and kind of doubling down with it, wherever the data shows that there is progress. That's the way of doing things, right? Totally. Yeah. It's there. And like, I just remember too, like, you know, we had hired somebody to do ads, like, like they knew what to do. And I just like got to a point where I was like, all right, I need to like fucking figure this out. Like I, I need like this, if this is how we're going to like generate revenue, like I need to go sit down and like solve this problem for myself. So like, where, what's the stage of the business right now? Like where are, where are you? Like, what is the sort of like vision at the moment where you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we recently introduced kind of a new product set. We're, we're focusing, um, kind of on, on a, on a newer channel. So like a food service channel. So like, you know, we, we had sold through a lot of the traditional channels previously with our granola and like. I would say now, like with the new product, it's like, okay, like we built a lot of this traction and progress, like kind of through gunslinging, like sort of just, I, I think about having like a flashlight in the dark and you're kind of just like finding your way. And this, you know, this was kind of a product launch where we took a step back and be like, okay, like let's look at all the market data. Let's look at all the different channels we possibly could sell through. Let's look at all the possible different product formats. Let's see what's selling, you know, best where we think growth trends are going. And so, you know, now like, we are taking a much more strategic approach with our new product offering. Um, you know, on top of that, we built sort of some different internal marketing capabilities. So we're, we're thinking about marketing a lot different and trying to scale up. You know, I feel like for a long time, like a lot of marketing was just like done by me. It was just like being a spokesperson, going to a lot of events, like um, I'm super active on LinkedIn and, and stuff like that and going and selling. And, and now it's starting to build some of that infrastructure in place to think about how do we scale this further, right? Like I can't sell every single time. I can't, you know, we need a salesperson, right? We need somebody who's managing ops. And so like really taking it, I think more from like the, like the small team, one to three people to starting to build some infrastructure that can scale on its own, um, which is proving challenging, but uh, it's, it's fun nonetheless. That's where I see like a, I guess it's not like a, a massive mistake that, that some founders make, but a lot of the, it, it makes it a bit more sort of unscalable as a business because it's like you as the founder have to completely drive everything. And if you aren't around for whatever reason, the business kind of stays stagnant. And mm -hmm. um, there are ways to kind of remedy that. Like the one that you just had, where it was like the adverse of you as the founder being being there that's content and that's like ad, but that's like far more scalable than just you going to events and things like that constantly and like constantly posting. So there are ways to kind of scale out like the business from the personal brand aspect. But in a lot of circumstances, I've, especially with food that I've seen this, yeah. they get themselves, founders get themselves stuck in the, in the whole, like I'm the one that has to drive this. And that it, it essentially like doesn't become that scalable because people buy into them too much as people rather than the yeah. product. Yeah. And I, and I feel like there was a point where I kind of saw that where it was like, I, I saw a lot of parties like coming to me and I saw like, okay, no one's like talking to our ops person about this or like people are talking about me more than the product. Like, okay, like that, that was sort of a shift for me. Um, and you know, some of our, our recent, you know, the branding that you'll see on live on the website, we, we actually went through a brand change at the end of last year. And some of that as well was to like, build more of like a memorable, unique brand outside of myself as an individual, um, which has been powerful. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. Um, Parker, we're going to actually wrap up the podcast there, but uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you. And I highly encourage everyone to actually, I know like it's not the right sort of podcast right now to talk about the benefits of mushrooms because we'd be here for ages and it's just like not, not really what we're here for. Um, but 
if there's other podcasts that you guys that you've done where like you've talked about mushrooms specifically or other resources that people can look into for that sort of thing because it's a whole world that i know a lot of people would love to explore they haven't so how can people do that as well as stay in touch with you and what you're doing there's all sorts of ways to look up mushrooms, right? You can Google them and it's like, who knows where these sources are come from. Um, something we've spent a lot of time on the past year is putting and collecting um, a lot of the top resources on our blog. So if you go to our website, forij.co and, and you go to our blog, you'll, you'll find a lot of great resources about mushrooms. Um, there are also kind of other great resources out there. I, I would primarily look at like PubMed and NCBI, um, you know, the medical journals to, to actually look at some of the research behind some of these different mushrooms. Um, and you can Google like specific mushrooms for different sorts of benefits and, and, and start there. Um, you know, if you're curious to learn more about, about me or what we're doing, I'm super active on LinkedIn. That, that's sort of a good place to, to find me and reach out if you have any specific mushroom um, questions. You know, I've talked about it on other podcasts as well. Um, yeah, and then if you're interested in our products and you are in the US, you can, you can check it out on our website as well. So forage.co. Um, yeah, but yeah, I really appreciate you having me on here. See you then. No, my nice to connect, pleasure. Man. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll speak very soon. Thank you so much for coming on.